Y'all sound like the rain. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody today. Thank you, Jesus. Will you just think of one thing that you are grateful for this morning and just talk to God about it. Tell him in detail how grateful you are for that thing, that occurrence, that thing that he kept you from, that you may or may not even know about. Thank him for coming through for you at the last minute. Thank him for, for coming through for you in a way that you didn't even pray for, a way that you could not have expected. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we honor you today. We invite you in this place to have your way. Hallelujah, Lord, we yield to you. We yield our will to you. We yield our way to you. We yield our thoughts and our emotions, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for you are great and you are mighty and you are high and lifted up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that there is nowhere on this earth or beyond that you cannot reach, Father. There's nowhere that you cannot rescue us from, Father. We can never get so low, God, that you cannot lift us, that you cannot pick us up, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 God, we honor you this morning. We honor you this morning, God. Hallelujah. The very nature of you, God, deserves praise and honor. Lord God, the, the fact that you go by every principle you have ever established, Father, you go by your own word. Hallelujah. Lord, you are so great and you are so big, Father God, that your word says when there was nothing better to swear by. Hallelujah. You declared what you declared by your own self. By your own self. How, how are you so large? How are you so vast? How are you so big? How are you so wise that the only thing you can declare by is yourself? How, Lord? How? We will never understand it down here. Hallelujah. But God, we can praise you for it anyway. Just because we can't even understand how great you are, that is reason enough to give you praise and honor, Father God, because we have faith. We trust that you're worth it. We trust that you are worth it, Father. We don't understand everything. Hallelujah. We don't understand everything, God. Hallelujah. But we thank you, Lord, for your spirit of wisdom that you freely give us, Father. And we open our mouths and we open our hearts, Lord God. Our spirits are open to you, Father, and you alone. And we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We honor you this morning, God. All glory and honor is due your name, Jesus. Your name brings change. Hallelujah. Your name raises the dead. Your name heals the sick, Father God. Your name hallelujah, destroys and eradicates the spirit of infirmity in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, anxiety in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, depression in the name of Jesus. Jealousy, hallelujah, anger, fear, intimidation. Hallelujah, 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 deception. Hallelujah, God, everything has got to bow to you, yes, 
every spirit has to bow to you. Every human has to bow to you. Every will has to bow to you, Father. Hallelujah. We yield to you. We yield now, Father. We humble ourselves now. Hallelujah. We're not going to wait until later. We're not going to wait until something in life humbles us. We choose to be humbled before you now. Hallelujah. We choose now to be humbled in your presence, to fall on our face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a song that says, because one day every knee will bow. Hallelujah. But Jesus, we choose now. We choose now, Father God, when there's nothing going on. Hallelujah. In this very moment, Lord God, in the stillness and the quietness of your presence, Father God, we choose now to humble ourselves in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we honor you. We thank you. What do y'all think it sounds like in heaven? What do you think it sounds like? This is all we hear. It's all we're going to hear. So why not practice? Why not practice? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your praise don't have to sound like anybody else's, but you have a sound. You have a sound. And it's beautiful to God. It is wonderful to him. He loves the sound of your praise. Hallelujah. Not just because he deserves it. Hallelujah. But because he loves you. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And we just have to believe it. We have to grab a hold of it and believe it. It's hard sometimes, yes, but it doesn't make it any less true. Our hard times doesn't make it any less true. He loves us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. We bless your holy name, Jesus. Glory to your name, God. You are worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Bless your name, Jesus. Glory to your mighty name, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your mighty name, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm praying God come. Hallelujah. And turn this thing around. God turn it around, God turn it around, God turn it around. Calling on the name that changes everything. God turn it around, God turn it around, God turn it around. All of my hope is in the name. The name of Jesus, breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. I'm praying God come and turn this thing around. Hallelujah. God turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around.
to something. He is up to something. God is doing something. Right now, he is up to something. He is up to something. God is doing something. Right now, he is healing someone. He is saving someone. God is doing something. Right now, he is healing someone. He is saving someone. God is doing something. Right now, he is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing something. Right now, he is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing but it doesn't mean that he can't and it doesn't mean that he won't hallelujah hallelujah he can turn it around lord turn it around lord turn it around lord turn it around turn it around hallelujah god turn it around we give it to you we put it in your hands father we yield it to you and we pray we ask you god to turn it around hallelujah and after we ask you to turn it around god we declare and we decree that you have turned it around that you are turning it around and we thank you god for turning it around thank you lord for turning it around thank you y'all must not need nothing turned around and i need some stuff turned around hallelujah 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 bless your name jesus thank you lord thank you jesus hallelujah we're going to believe for it until we see it. Hallelujah. We're going to believe you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your mighty name, Father. We honor you and we bless your mighty name, Jesus. Glory to your name, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. They say that they say these chains will never break, but they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. They
And there's not one thing seen or unseen that can come against it. There's not one weapon formed that is greater than the power of your love to conquer it. Today we believe it. Come, Jesus, have your way. Come, Jesus, have your way. Come on, church, let your kingdom come, Jesus. Let your will be done in our lives, in this church, in our communities, God, in our nation, in our world, as it is in heaven. You're the only answer. You're the only truth. You're the only way. You're the only light. So come and have your way. And together in faith, we say, so be it. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God one shout of glory? Just one praise for how good he is. His love is so never-ending, so deep, so wide. Hallelujah. I love that word that Shayla has been saying all morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallel. Praise, Lou, the, L, God. Praise the Lord. With everything you've got, the Bible says... If you've got breath this morning, you, you're on, you're on a, you're, you're, you're commissioned. If you're, if you got breath this morning, you're commissioned to praise God. It's not a have to, it's a get to. What a privilege we get to be together. Not just worshiping Him in our car or worshiping Him in our shower. <laughs> worship Him in our private time, but there's something powerful when God's children get together and praise the Lord. Because the Bible says that when God's people get together, God shows up and he doesn't sit there with his arms crossed and be like, you better show me something. The Bible says he begins to dance with his people. He begins to dance with his people. That's why. Like, it's why we lift up our hands in the sanctuary. It's why we clap. It's why we shout. It's not a charismatic thing. It's not a Pentecostal thing. We're joining God in the movement of God. Come on, I know some of you used to go to clubs and you didn't sit in the club be like this. When the music came on, you started ah, moving. Then you get to church, you're like, ooh. My God shows up. Not because he has to, but because the God of creation loves you. He loves you. And I'm so glad that you showed up today so that you can experience that love as well and love him back. Because church isn't just about receiving from God. It's about giving back to him what he is due, his glory. Well, thank you guys for being here today. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Connect Church. It's great to have you. And if you are a guest, if this is your first or second time, thank you for being here today. We're really glad to have you. Look, for us, church isn't about a Sunday morning event. It's about learning to live life well together. That's what we're doing here. We're just trying to do life together. And there's so many factors that keep us apart, right? But this is when we get to be together. Every generation together. All races together. All socioeconomic, all, all, all backgrounds, all, all societal issues together. We get to be together. Together. What a God we serve. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for making the sacrifice to drive through the pouring rain today, putting gas in your car. I know you had to mortgage your house to put gas in your car today. My little light came on today. Beep. You're running out of gas. I was like, oh, guess I got to call the mortgage company. It's just bad. But no, it's great. Thank you. Thank you for being here. 
Can we give a shout out to everybody who's online this morning too? Hey, if you're online today, hey, thank you for being here with us. We know we have people at home with COVID, on vacation, it's summer in Jersey, so it's great. The same God that's in this room is the same God that's there. The miracles we're believing for here are the miracles that we're agreeing for there as well, because where two or more are gathered, man, Jesus is there. Well, church, we're serious about being family together, so before you're being seated, can you just take a moment, just turn to someone who's near you, give them a high five or an air high five, whatever you feel comfortable with, a fist pump, but say hi to them, get to, get to know somebody next to you. Man, I came into this morning sweaty. I'm sweaty. I'm ready. You know, we do talk a lot here about being family. And we mean it. And it's so, uh, sometimes such a, a concept that's lost, I think, in American, in, in our American culture. We're, we're really not used to being family outside of our immediate families. And I think it's something that we miss. It's, it's a part of the world that, that God created that's so beautiful to live life well together, and we miss it. But we are serious about that. We're serious about raising up a generation that loves Jesus and that will stand in truth and wholeness. And I don't know about you, but I, 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 I wanna see children and young people free from the scars of sin. Like, I, I don't wanna have to see them get free from the scars of sin. I love them to stay free from them beforehand, like preempt it, right? And so, you know, one of the things that we have that's coming up in just two Sundays is family dedication. Now, we believe that the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, that if you train up a child in the way that they should go when they get older, they won't depart from it. I believe that. I, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that, man, with the seeds that you sow into a young person, uh, in, into a family, uh, no matter when you start doing it, will grow because my God grows the seeds. Our job is not to grow the seed. Our job is to sow the seed. God will grow it. But that's what, that's what uh, family dedication is all about. Maybe you have uh, some, some of your children that you haven't taken a chance to stand up before God and say, man, I, I myself, my wife, my, my family, my, my gra the, the grandparents that are here, the aunts and uncles, we want to stand up and we're going to say, man, we are going to dedicate ourselves to creating a home that glorifies God and helps, helps our children know God. And that's what actually church is as well. We can't disciple your kids for you, but we can help disciple them with you. And that's, you know, it's to steal the African po proverb, it takes a village, doesn't it? It takes a village. And so that's what we're going to do uh, in two weeks as part of service. Why? Because that's important. Just like baptism, just like communion, just like worship, it's important that we together make a statement, stand up before God and just say, man, I'm in 100%, count on me. And we as a church are saying the same thing. Pastor Kevin and Lisa, who are our children's pastors, our family and kids' pastors, they love your young people. They are, they are building a program to help them grow. But we need people with us on this journey. So if you have that and you've never got a if you have children and never got a chance to do that, you can go to Linktree uh, and register for that, and we're going to do that in two weeks. Next week's a very important Sunday. It's a great Sunday, just so... Uh, just Every Sunday is an important Sunday, isn't it? But next Sunday is awesome. It's Father's Day and Juneteenth on the same day. Um, so we're, we are going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. 
As we do, we're going to celebrate those things. And in celebration of Father's Day and Juneteenth, we have, uh, we're going to have the TKC food truck out there serving some amazing food after service so we get to hang out a little bit. So bring your bodies and bring your appetites. And just look, I know everybody on Father's Day, just like Mother's Day, I know it's time, you, sometimes we've got to run, but if, plan on taking a few minutes. Grab some food. Sit down next to somebody, maybe who you don't know well yet. And just ask them their story. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb that's already done and the word of testimonies. Your testimony can encourage someone to overcome. That's doing life together. Amen? Besides, we get good food. TKC is awesome. It's fantastic. If you don't know what TKC is, it's Thy Kingdom Crumb. The food truck's out there right now. We have a, a weekly food distribution um, ministry that we so, uh, take either out into community or we, f- we do family meals when community comes here and we give them food boxes. Um, and we feed somewhere between uh, 600 to 800 people uh, every week just because how many of you know people need it right now? Food is people glue. I love food. Anybody love food? Food's a good thing. I love food, man. You will never feel more love than when someone cooks for you. That's good stuff. Someone say, man, that's good. I love me some food. Too much. Well, are you guys ready for the word? I'm ready for the word this morning. I've been ready all week for this word. Since you have your Bible with you, why don't you open with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Luke is the third book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's written by Luke, who is a disciple of Jesus, also a doctor, a phenomenal historian. He's a great storyteller as well. If you need a title for today's message, it's Living in the Collision. Living in the Collision. You know, since our earliest ages, we are taught to avoid collisions, aren't we? Like from the first day in driver's ed, you were taught, avoid the collision. Uh, When you're on a sports field, they tell you to avoid a collision. I know in football, they told me, avoid the collision. I was a quarterback. That's why we slide. Avoid the collisions. Even as an earliest school, like in elementary school, they tell you, don't run in the hallway because you're going to collide with somebody. I remember, I remember, this is true, that, uh, uh, it was in middle school, one of, my, one of my friends, she was late for class, she had her books all uh, to her chest, and she was running down the hall, and she came around the corner, but as she came around the corner, a person was standing at the locker and didn't see her coming, and at just the right moment, it was like scripted, she opened up the locker, and the girl took it right in the face. I know, right? I know I shouldn't have laughed, but it was funny. <laughs> hey, sometimes life feels like that, doesn't it? Like you're going flat out for something, and all of a sudden you get smacked in the face. And there are things that we should avoid in life. But I think the real issue is, as we get older, we start to avoid the collisions that we think will hurt us the most. Family disagreements. Friction in our friendships. Cancel culture moments. The collision of asking for forgiveness from someone who doesn't even know you did something wrong yet. The co- and sometimes the cost of these collisions can cost us relationships, even our jobs. And the higher the perceived cost of that collision, the more apt we are to try to avoid it. But the truth is these decisions may keep us safe from momentary discomforts, but they often leave us 
void of the opportunities of transformational moments with a deeper revelation of Jesus Christ. The kind of moments where Jesus shows you who he really is and you've got nothing to bring to the table to contribute to that at all except your faith and just simply showing up. Where we begin to see who he really is and just how safe we are living our life. Do you realize that's exactly where the enemy wants you? Where your soul wants you? To be in a safe place in life. To be where you're simply comfortable where everything is not too far out there, where we're not living too close to the edge, a place where belief will suffice, come on, but faith really isn't needed, a place where we believe Jesus is true, but we don't have to rely on him showing up to get out of our mess. This is a safe place. We have been conditioned even spiritually to avoid collisions. Let's play Christianity safe. Let's keep our life safe. It's why we have believed that there is a, I have my spiritual life and I have my other life. I have real life and I have church life. We have been conditioned to play life safe. But let me ask a question. What if we took the risk to live in the place of collision. The unsafe place where the word of God and the revelation of who Jesus is collides with our present reality. Where we actually have to choose holiness over comfort. Where we are living in a place where the word of God says one thing and we are willing to leap without a net. What kind of revelation of Jesus, what could we find out about who he really is if we were willing to live and take the risk of collisions of faith? Because in the story we're going to look at today, the woman with the issue of blood was willing to take collisions of faith that didn't just lead her to her healing, led her to a deeper revelation of who Jesus actually is. And Christianity really isn't about just getting our healing. It's about getting a deeper revelation of who Jesus is to ourselves and to our world. How many of you know our world needs a deeper revelation of Jesus? We need it. But it will never happen without the collisions from his people in faith. Let's look at this together. Verse 42 says, as Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and although she spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the the hem of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. Come on, church. Someone touched me touched me and power has gone out of me and when the woman saw that she was not hidden anymore she came trembling and falling before him and declared in the presence of everybody 
why she had touched him. She is not ashamed of the issue that brought her there. She was not trying to hide who she used to be. She owned who she was because Jesus has revealed who she really was created to be. And she stands up, she says, and she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. We should underline that daughter, daughter, your faith has, has made you well. Now go in peace. Here's what I know. The reality is our world forces collisions onto us because the world's fallen, the world's broken, the world is desperately waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, for Jesus to come back so it can be made whole again. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against every principality and power, right? If we are wrestling with something, that means that there are collisions that are on our way towards us. And we are either going to learn to swerve around them so that we can avoid the perceived mishap that could happen in our life, or we're going to learn in faith to step into those collisions and live with those consequences. I think the issue is that we, when, when we're thinking about collisions, we always think they're bad because they have negative effects. But that's only true if we collide with the wrong things. Like when, when I collided, when you collided with the grace of God, you didn't think that was bad. When you collided with God's love, when you collided with the Spirit's peace, when you collided with the, with the spouse, come on, with your spouse who you began to date, and then you didn't think that, oh, that was a bad day. Can't believe that I collided with her. I mean, that is hard. No, when you collided with those things, you thought it was good because you collided with the right thing. Our worries start when we collide with people of different opinions. Especially people with strong different opinions. When we collide with, with, with people who don't respect the healthy boundaries we've set up. Or when we collide with issues that possibly could cause others to think less about us. That's when we start to worry about the collision. That's when we start to try to swerve out of the way to minimize its effect in our life. Now, before we go any further, I just want to say, I'm not talking about being sideswiped. My friends, look, if you were abused or molested as a child, that's not a collision. That's being sideswiped. If someone abandoned you and left you to fend for yourself, that's being sideswiped. Someone in your family died unexpectedly and left you on your own. That's not a collision. That's being sideswiped. That's something that you could not change. That, that was brought upon you. There was no decision in that. That's not a collision. That's sideswiping. But let me just say this, because it's a reality for so many of us. If you have, were sideswiped in life, what I do know is just like the woman with the issue of blood, no matter how long it's been affecting you, Jesus can still heal you. Jesus can still heal you. You don't need to hide it. You don't need to be ashamed of it. You don't need to conceal it because he's here. When we talk about collision moments, you know, the sad thing, we can actually see a sideswipe, by the way, in 2 Samuel chapter 11. When Uriah was sideswiped by his best friend, David. Many of you may know this story. David sleeps with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and she gets pregnant. So David wants to avoid the collision of the confession. 
Avoid the collision of the, the, the asking for forgiveness. Avoid the collision of having to own the broken trust that he brought about. So do you know what he does? He calls Uriah home from the war and says, oh, look, I'm going to bring you home. Go sleep with your wife. Take a night off, dude. Relax. Uriah says, nope, I'm going to sleep on a mat outside the fortress. If my men are in the field, I'm going to be in the field. David says, nuts. Next night, he says, come on, takes him out, gets him drunk. Go ahead. Now, if he's drunk, he's definitely going to sleep with his wife. Nope. He doesn't. Sleeps on the mat outside the fortress once again. So do you know what David does? Instead of colliding with the actual thing he should have done, which is confess, ask forgiveness, come on, deal with the broken trust, he kills him. How many of us know that's not the right way to, divide, to, to, to deal with a collision issue? But I think the problem is when we avoid collisions, we tend to kill the thing that is meant to make us stronger, and we end up missing the revelation of Jesus that's meant to draw us deeper. See, when we're talking about collision moments, I'm talking about holiness moments. Moments where the Word of God, when the Word of God is saying something and the Spirit of God is speaking something different than where we are and what our soul says and what our culture says. And these things happen in public and in private. These are holiness moments. Come on, conversations that we know we should have, but we're avoid having. Collision moment. Boundaries that we know we need to set with people, but we're afraid of the reaction of the terrorist on the other side. Collision moment. Integrity moments where the kingdom, where kingdom truth calls us to something very different from our accepted culture and where cancel culture threatens to make us feel isolated and insignificant collision moment. Where our journey of unforgiveness, come on, needs to be navigated and, the, and, and forgiveness needs to speak louder than justification. Where our lifelong sins have convinced us that they are stronger than the Holy Spirit's power to set us free. Where our soul's siren call to live in the gray and call that light. These are collision moments. And they happen in public and in private every day and every moment of our life. These are, not, uh, these are not moments that are temporary and they're not few and far between. They are in everything and everyday conversations, everyday moments, in your workplace, in your marriage, in your friendships, in church, out of church. Come on, church. These are real things. The truth is the woman with the issue of blood was forced to collide with moments before she collided with Jesus. There are many times you and I have to collide with moments before we actually collide with the deeper revelation of Jesus. She was forced to collide with cultural perceptions. Cultural perceptions. It's something we all have to collide with all the time. What our culture thinks about us if we do something different. Can't you imagine that crowd on that day? Man, yeah, yeah, she's the one. She's the one. She's always sick. I mean, I wonder what she did to get that sick. I mean, how bad did she have to sin to stay sick for so long? And then there's other people in the crowd. I don't even believe she is sick. 
I don't think she's sick. I think she's just trying to get attention. She's just a drama queen. And there's this voice and that voice and this perception and that perception. Do you know in our day, if we stand up for biblical truth that is opposed to our cultural norm or, or the desire of our generation, so often you're, you're, you are labeled a hater, right? You're a hater. But in that, this is where the collision of holiness mo- moment comes in. Because our soul either, try, either will back away and become silenced, or the rebellious spirit in us rises up and be like, I'm going to tell them what I really think. Did you notice her response to that crowd and what they thought? She lowered herself and pushed through the crowd, seemingly on the ground, to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. She humbled herself through that crowd. But she did not allow the crowd to keep her from connecting with Jesus. The Bible says, if you humble yourself, God will lift you up. There's power in humility. There's power in humility. Holiness is founded in the humility to realize that I can't and I don't have to. But he can and he will. I think the issue so often in our life, we were talking about this week in our Forged group, is that I want to free you from something. We are not called to change people's opinions. Please, somebody say amen. We are not called to change people's opinions. Man, social media would be so different if the church got this. We're not called to change people's opinions. We are called to reveal Jesus. Jesus changes. The Spirit's the convictor. He is the way. He is the truth. He is life. I am not. Paul tells us to stay away from these kind of arguments. Our job is to reveal Jesus, to collide in such a way that gets me out of the way and they see Jesus. And I know that when we make these collision moments, there are labels thrown on us. I get it. I get it. I get labels because labels are put on us in order to marginalize people. When you are given a label, it is meant to make you feel small and insignificant and that you are isolated and an outsider. That's why why labels are put on people. I always love it when people come and they ask me, what kind of Christian are you? What kind of of church do you have? And I know what they're asking, right? I know what they're asking. But, But I know that no matter what I tell them, there's going to be a label in their head that marginalizes actually who we really are. So I just blow it up. I'm like, yeah, we're the crazy kind. We're we're the crazy. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, we're crazy. And I'm like, no, man, we just love Jesus. We love his word. We love people. Because the moment I say we're Pentecostal, we're charismatic, we're, we're this, we're that, right? People already start to marginalize. My job is not... To get, to get them to think differently about me or themselves. It's for them to see Jesus differently. And this woman's willingness to push through the collision that her culture was restricting her with enabled her community to see Jesus in a different light. She was forced to collide not only with that, but with religious restrictions. Do you realize in her time she was not allowed to be around people? She had to be isolated. She was shunned. Matter of fact, the law said that she, whoever she was around, she made unclean. She lived a lonely life. I can't imagine a worse fate for a woman than to be able to have no intimate relationships at all with others. Even in church, she wasn't even allowed to go to the temple. 
She was not clean enough to go to church. Come on, that kind of thinking could have kept her at the outskirts of the crowd. Seeing Jesus, knowing about Jesus, knowing he could do something for her, but unwilling to collide with what other people thought about her. Many of you may know the story, but one day after our Philly campus I was uh, service, I was uh, walking to my car and I came across a young couple, a young man and a young woman who were living on the streets. And we started a conversation and we, I said, come on, let's go get something to eat. We went across the street and sat down at the five guys that was there and we started to eat. And in the middle of this conversation, the young man said to me, Pastor, I got to ask you a question. Why would a pastor eat with someone like me? And I thought, man, if people who are living so broken and so out, uh, out in the outskirts of community are asking that of pastors, we've missed the mark somewhere. But even more, I began to think about that. It took me back. How many of us allow the state that we believe that we're in or the state we believe others believe that we're in to keep us on the outskirts of a radical life with Jesus and an encounter that could reveal him deeper to our world. We need to have this willingness to have a collision in faith with the things around us. They weren't just outside of her, I believe they were inside of her as well. Like so many of us in these moments, she must have had a collision with her emotional desperation. Something inside of her must have been saying, man, I've spent years, I've spent 12 years and everything I had and no one can help me and nothing could ever change. What if this doesn't work? My friends, sometimes the biggest collisions we need to have are with the voices that are already inside of our head. Telling us who we are and who we aren't. How we should and shouldn't, what we should and shouldn't accept. Come on, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Can you imagine being disappointed and disillusioned for 12 years? Spending everything you've got? Why is, it so, why is that verse so important? Because Proverbs 4, 23 says, out of, the, out, of, out of our heart come all the decisions of our life. When I have a disappointed heart, when I have an offended heart, when I have a disillusioned heart, the decisions I'm making are sick. They lead me into this. But then, come on, but then. I want you to live in a but then moment. But then, her collision with faith allowed her to collide with Jesus and everything changed. I believe when we have a collision with faith in those moments, even though we don't understand how it's going to work, man, Jesus shows up in ways that reveal himself to us in ways we've never seen before. Her, her, her decision to collide in faith with those things opened up a door to collide with Jesus. Here's the truth. Natural humanity wants to avoid collisions. Believers try to manage collisions. But disciples risk the, risk the collisions so that they can know more about Jesus. Do you realize inside of us we all struggle with this? Our natural humanity, our fallen humanity, our sinful nature that's inside of us. It, 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 it never, it, it's always looking to keep there from happening any collateral damage. It, it, it wants to self-protect. 
It doesn't want to rock the boat. It wants to keep the peace. It has this feeling, can't we all just get along? When you hear that inside of yourself and you start to feel it rising up, recognize that's not the Spirit of God. That's the selfish, sinful nature inside of us that's just trying to keep everything all right. Avoid the collision. It's there because it's what Adam did. We see it in the very beginning. Genesis 3, isn't that what he does? He sins. He takes the fruit. And then God comes to have a conversation. What's he do? He hides. He hides. He avoids the conversation altogether. Then when God calls him out, he blame shifts. Not my problem, not my fault. It's the woman you gave me. There's this constant avoiding of any collision with holiness that is inside of each of us. It's there. Because we have trained our ear to listen to the insecurities of our soul more than the truth that comes from the Spirit. We have trained our, man, how often do we talk about our fears, our insecurities, what's broken in us? We've trained our ear to listen to that, and it's already there. But then we get saved, and we come to Christ, and we're like, all right, cool, I, I got it. I, I'm not going to miss it. But as believers, many times, we don't avoid collisions. We just try to manage the collision. We try to lessen its impact in our life. There's this great moment, a great example of this. Joseph of Arimathea. In John chapter 19, verse 38, Joseph goes to Pilate after Jesus dies and says, can I have the body of Jesus? Now that's pretty cool. Except for the Bible says he had been a disciple of Jesus in secret because he had fear of the Jews. See, Joseph was part of the Sanhedrin. He was part of the ruling body of the time. He was part of the kind of the Senate of the day. And he knew that if people knew what he really believed, who he really was, that he'd probably lose his job, probably lose his place in society, definitely lose his friends. So after all, it's better. God knows my heart. No one else needs to know. I'm good being a disciple in secret. I can lessen the impact of my decision of faith by managing the collisions. We can be that kind of believer sometimes because we believe the risk of loss outweighs the rewards of our obedience. We could be like the children of Israel wandering in the desert like we talked about last week who go to Moses and say, Moses, I don't want to go up to God. There's too much risk in that. You go up. We want the blessing, but we don't want to take the risk. And I believe that's where much of American Christianity is right now. We want the blessing of revival. We want the breakthrough. We want cultural change. But we don't want to be the person that brings it about. We want someone else to take the risk because the opportunity for loss in our life is too great. The issue is, my friends, when we have collisions of truth, collisions that come from the kingdom of God, of faith, I need to tell you, yes, there's going to be opportunities for people to be offended with you, and they will be. People who will not forgive us. People who will label us. There'll be people who will cut you off. And there'll be lots of opportunities for tears and personal pain. Yeah. But Pastor Danielle said something to me the other day when we were talking about this that just hit me to the quick. She said, Kyle, we have to know that we are not afforded that luxury here. We are not afforded the luxury of no pain. We are not afforded the luxury of no tears. 
We are not afforded the luxury of managing and minimizing the effect in our lives, the hurt that we have to face by following Jesus. That is only reserved for the other side of the veil. That's what the Bible tells us. In heaven, there are no tears. In heaven, there's no pain. In heaven, there's no loss. It's what makes, why it makes it so special, so unlike here. Jesus said in John 16, 33, here you will have tribulation. Here people will persecute you. If, you. if they hated me, they'll hate you. But have some peace even in the midst of it because I have overcome the world. So this is where disciples choose to live. Disciples realize that, that, that the Pharisees didn't call me. Come on, somebody. The crowd can't stop me. My issue doesn't define me. And my desperation doesn't speak for me because I have a truth. I have a collision with truth truth that's needed to set me free they didn't call me they can't stop me come on it doesn't define me and the heck if it's going to be a voice over me because I have a collision with truth that can set me free Jesus said in John 8 32 if you know the truth the truth will set you free the Greek word for know there is not intellectual it's experiential if you experience it if you allow your life to collide with truth in the moments where truth is challenged, then freedom is the result. We talked about this verse this week in our men's discipleship group in Ford's Proverbs 18, 14 says, a healthy spirit conquers adversity. That means there's going to be adversity. But when we have a healthy spirit built, built out of a healthy relationship with God's word, out of a healthy relationship with Jesus, out of a healthy relationship with God's people, that the response to that is the ability to overcome what the enemy is trying to use to overcome us. See, this woman's willingness to undergo an uncomfortable collision gave Jesus permission to bring a new revelation to the crowd at that moment. Gave him permission. As disciples, as ambassadors of the king, we must understand this is our daily call to give opportunities for Jesus to be revealed to our communities. That's what it means to be a light to the world. It's not simply about going to heaven. It's not simply about having a good church experience. All those things are benefits. The reason that we have remained is so that we can give God praise and be a light into a dark world. To reveal Jesus. The truth is as disciples, we have to know the difference. Stay with me for a moment. We have to know the difference between acts of sovereign grace, which is Jesus intervening on his own. When Jesus just shows up into a, into a circumstance on his own. When he, when, when he just shows up like with the woman at the well, he just showed up. With the gathering demoniac, he just showed up. With the lame man by the pool, he shows up and he's like, yo, dude, do you want to get well? He just showed up. Those are acts of sovereign grace when he just moves on his own in the midst of problems. We have to know the difference, though, between an act of sovereign grace and his response to faith. God is going to do what God is going to do, but we rely too much, too often at the people on that when he commissioned us and called us to be his ambassadors and to be a light into the world, to live by faith. It is these faith moments that many of us think, yeah, I know, but I know what's going to happen. I know the outcome. No, we don't. Because we have no idea what the Holy Spirit's doing on si inside of somebody. You may say, Pastor, but we've had that conversation 15 times. 
I, I, I've, already, I've already forgiven them 38 times. I know but the Bible says 70 times 7. Keep doing it, man. You never know what the Holy Spirit's going to do. We see it all the time in TKC. People show up and they ask for prayer for a family member or a friend that's going through something. And our CE team takes the risk of sharing the gospel with them. And in that moment, they have this collision with grace. This collision with the gospel and the Holy Spirit has been working on the inside and there's a collision with truth on the outside and it gives God a grace moment to do something. And their life is forever changed. My friends, faith exists at these collision point moments. If we're called to live by faith, we have to understand where faith lives it lives in these uncomfortable moments. Hey, Peter, step out of the boat onto a stormy sea. Are you crazy? Hey, speak to Lazarus. He's been dead for a while. Are you nuts? Hey, Ezekiel, prophesy to these dead bones. They're going to rise up. You out of your mind. But this is where faith exists in these collision moments. It's where the kingdom collides with our natural realities, with cultural understandings, with religious self-righteousness. James says in James 2.17, faith without works is dead. We are never saved by works, but we are saved to do the works of God. That means, that must mean that to keep faith alive and growing, we need to have colli continual collisions of faith moments. See, we're saved when our surrender collides with God's grace. But for faith to keep growing, it needs to collide with continual realities that are not in alignment with God's will in our world. We are not looking to fit into the world. We are looking to help the world see that what they're going through is not reality. That there is a higher reality. Did you notice, by the way, that the transformation needed for a deeper revelation of Jesus only happened after both Joseph and the woman with the issue of blood took hold of Jesus. After they left the secretness, after they pushed through the crowd, after they were willing to be made known, after they collided with faith, then Jesus rose from the dead. Then she was healed. Then he called her daughter. It was only after they reached out. Our willingness to be in the collision gives Jesus the permission to bring a kingdom revelation to our community. Yes, I hope it's a revelation of healing. Yes, I hope it's miraculous because our world needs that. But what they need even more is a revelation of what truth looks like, what visible grace looks like, what unconditional love really looks like. Because they need a picture of what, the, of what creation, the way it was meant to be. The way that God created it to be what the kingdom of God truly is. See, the issue is we live in an illusion that culture is what life, uh, culture is what life is. And that, that, that what, we're, what our current culture is, that's really what life is. But there's a higher reality. Every day, the fallen world reinforces the illusion that it's the real world, it's real life. Every day. I hear it all the time. I know, but pastor, this is the real world. I know what you're saying, but this is the real world. And the fallen world reinforces it every day through violence, through division, through disaster, through disappointment, 
So how do we expect our world to see the real world, the kingdom world, and how it was meant to be if we don't give them opportunities to collide with grace? Yes, God will always have acts of sovereign grace, always. He'll always show up. I've been reading stories about in the Middle East how Jesus has just shown up to people. Like, literally, like Thomas, he showed up to them. Yes, he shows up in the miraculous movements. Yes, there are times that God, will, Jesus, will just move on someone's heart and bring them to Jesus in an isolated moment somewhere. But if you were locked in a dark basement, would you rather rely on, the, uh, on a flashlight? Come on. Or be able to turn a light switch on. That's what we do when we have collisions of faith. We turn the light switch on, the light switch of who Jesus really is, not the Democrat Jesus, not the Republican Jesus, not the American Jesus, not the 21st century Jesus, the Jesus who was and is and is to come, the one of love and grace, the, the one who actually helps people live with a real God in the real world in a real way. Our world thinks they know what Jesus is, but they don't. Because all they're seeing is moments of sovereign grace. Missing the light switch. See, my friends, these moments are not simply about personal transformation, but about a revelation of Jesus to ourselves and to our world. A revelation of who he is. A revelation that transcends our condition. It transcends our position, our need for self-protection. These moments are about him. About him. How can we help our world see a real him? Not be told about him? Screamed at because they don't know him? Forced to try to reckon with him? How do we introduce them to him in a real way? Do you know what I think is so important before we close today? So there's this moment where not only she gets healed, which is fantastic, but I don't actually think that's the highlight of the story. I wonder, I bet it was, it would be if we were in her shoes, right? Yeah, I got, I got healed after 12 years. But I don't even think that's the highlight for her. The moment that's transcending the healing is the moment at the end when he looks down and he says, daughter, daughter, you're part of my family. After 12 years of isolation, separation, no intimacy, without any work, Without any righteousness, he just looks at her and says, you're my family now. I, I saw the faith. We're family. I, I, I felt you reaching out to me. We're family. Do you know in Hebrew tradition that only family was allowed to touch the hem, the tassels that were on the bottom of a rabbi's uh, garment? Only family. Can you imagine then what the crowd must have done? How they must have been in horror when they saw her reach out. This unclean, unkept, unrighteous woman. How dare she touch the hem of the rabbi's garment. 
And in a moment, as she collided with faith, it gave the community an opportunity to see who Jesus is because he did not join in with them. He did not side with them. He did not try to align himself with them. He did not worry about what they were going to think of him or how they were going to label him. He rises up and in the midst of their horror, he says, daughter, son, you're mine. Welcome home. We're together. I'm with you. You're worthy of the interruption. Woo! Come on. That's Jesus. That's the real Jesus. Not the Jesus of boy, girl, man, how dare you? I know what you're trying to do, but you better get it right because I've got a right formula of how you need to come to me before you actually get touched by me. Jesus said, I see you, girl. Didn't even see you sneaking up on me. But your faith reached out with a collision into my heart, and now I call you daughter. (laughs) Daughter, son. It allowed the community to see Jesus through different eyes. Whether they walked away with it or not, it allowed them to see him through different eyes. The grace they never saw before. Love they never knew before. An overriding of culture that then they had to collide with in their own self. I guess the question I have for us today is, what could we learn about Jesus If we were willing to take those kind of collisions, the risk of the collision of holiness, the risk of a collision of faith, what opportunities could our friends and our family and our community have to see him differently if we, like the woman, were willing to actually take the risk, yup, of being lost, of yup, being hated, yup, being labeled, yup, being cut off, yup, being talked about, Yep, being called a Jesus freak. Yep. But what could they see of him if we were willing to take a risk to reveal him? Let me ask you a deeper question. And if you did not get healed, but you heard those words, daughter, son, Would that be enough? If you still had your issues, but you gave the world, your community, an opportunity to see Jesus differently, would that be enough? Because that's where the real collision lies. Is it about us getting what we want from Jesus and the benefit is the world sees? Or is it The world seeing who he is. And if we get our breakthrough, great. But if not, he called me daughter. If not, he called me son. And I know who he says I am. I know who he says I am. How different would life be if we move from a place of I know who he says I am broken, messed up, screwed up, not holy enough, 
dirty, isolated, labeled, confused, uncertain, yet I know who he said I am. I am son. I am daughter. And that changes everything. How different would our community and our life be if we took the risk to not avoid those collisions, but to live in the midst of them? Can we pray? Today, there's a collision that we need to have. And the collision is to surrender to Jesus. The collision is not about being a better person, being nicer, being kinder, showing up more at church. The decision is to surrender it all, to follow Jesus with everything we've got, to not only call him Savior, but to call him Lord. And that's what I'm asking today. And I'm not asking it myself. The Holy Spirit's been asking and wooing you in your heart for years. You may be no stranger to church, to religious moments, but if you're honest, you are a stranger to making Him Lord of everything in your life. This is this moment. This is the moment where we can't play it safe. This is the moment where we've got to leap without a net. This is the moment of risk where I am stepping out into faith, where the Bible and truth says, come and follow me, deny yourself, pick up the cross, become a disciple of Jesus Christ. My friends, it's as easy as calling out in his name, asking him to be Lord and Savior. Oh, his goodness might heal you of some sickness or depression or addiction you're in because I know he's a supernatural God. But the one thing that I know for sure is that if you cry out to him, he will answer. He will come and dwell inside of you. He will change you from the inside out. And there will be a deeper revelation of him than you ever have known before. All it takes is crying out to Jesus right now. So we're going to pray. All of us are going to pray. But if you're here today and you're saying, man, I, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. I've never actually asked him in. Or maybe you've asked him in, but it's been a long time and you feel a great distance from him. Today's the day, son. Today's the day, daughter, to come home and push through the crowd and push through the uncertainty and push through the separation and the isolation and reach out and touch him. Because the moment you touch him is the moment his power changes you. So all we need to do is cry out. So if that's you, we're all going to pray, but you pray from the bottom of your heart. Let God touch you. Come on, church, can we pray together? Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my life. All that I am, all that I have, all that I ever will be, I give to you now. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Close any distance between us. Make me your child today. 
Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because from this moment forward, I choose to live full on for Jesus. I'm not going back and I'm not looking back. I'm living now for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some glory? Can we say thank you, Lord, for things, for men and women making decisions today? Hey, my friends, look, if you made that decision, we couldn't be more excited for you. Hey, the truth says right now you gave heaven a reason to party. All the angels are like, woohoo! You know, when, when Peter was like, um, Jesus, how do you know who touched you? There's such a crowd. The angels don't do that. The angels know in this crowd who reached out and touched Jesus. And they are rejoicing right now. They're giving the lamb all the glory for the sacrifice he made. We have some books for you that we love to give you. This is Pastor Rick right over here. Pastor Rick wrote two books, one for adults and one for teens, that will help you walk this through. They're free, so after service, you can come right over here and pick one up. If you have a, a, a teen or a tween, pick one up for them as well. It just helps us understand kind of the decision you've made. And if you're online, you can go to, uh, you can email at info at theconnectchurch.com and we'll send you a free book as well because the decision you made there is as powerful as the decision that people made here. And in just a moment, we're going to end service just with the giving of our offerings. But before we do, can I really encourage you? Today when you go home, there'll be an integrity moment. Tomorrow when you go to work, there'll be a holiness moment. While you were sitting in, this, in those seats, I promise you there was a Holy Spirit moment when he started to stir something inside. We don't need to carry our sickness one day more than we have. Not one day more. Because there is a collision with Jesus that can change everything. My prayer, church, is that we become a church, that we become a church of disciples that are willing to risk those collisions. Because we only have a short time on this earth. Yesterday, I got a phone call about a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine who died. He was here one day and gone the next. Our communities are not promised another moment. Our friends, our family member, that person who needs that forgiveness, that brother who needs unconditional love, that person at your job that needed grace, None of us are promised another moment. But we are commissioned to be a light in a dark world. Take the risk. Church, take, take the risk. Church, take the risk. Walk across the room, take the risk. Push through the crowd, take the risk. Wear the label, take the risk. Because I know the real label on me, the real label on me is son. The real label on you is daughter. The real label on us is bride. Yup, I'm a Jesus freak, and I'm not embarrassed to say it. 
Because without him, you guys can fill in the blank. (laughs) Take the risk. Take the risk. Take the risk. Come on, can you give, Sharon's going to come up. Can you give Sharon a hand really quick? Oh, 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 Pastor Rick. Someone told me you said, Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick. Give Pastor Rick a hand. Yes, hello, hello. That's a good looking man right there. Yes, I'm the, I'm the famous Pastor Rick. That is, you are famous. How, how are y'all doing today? What a magnificent message. Oh my goodness. But before I tie the message into the offering, I just wanted to tell you how to give. And there are envelopes in little stands around the entire congregation room here. And you can put your offering envelope in the kiosk there by both the doors. But we also have a QR code up on our screens that if you take your smartphone and open up your camera app, you don't even have to push the button, just point it, you can give online as well. And we thank you. You are our family. And we can't do this without you. And it's an honor and a privilege to be here today to encourage you in your giving. And we're so grateful that you are giving. Our green, beautiful TKC trucks are here because of your generosity. This beautiful sanctuary is here because of your generosity. The mission and vision that we've been given is here because of your generosity. But I would be remiss not to reinforce Pastor Kyle's message today that there's a collision in this moment and it's a good collision it's a collision that will bring us closer to Jesus with our giving I'm sure all of us in this room have certain insecurities about giving I know I have over the years you start weighing things you start looking at your checkbook or your digital screen whatever you're you're doing and uh, sometimes the math doesn't come out the same way that you'd like it to but this collision is a risk but it's backed not by gold bullion or platinum. It's backed by the word of God. It's backed by Jesus Christ. And it's the vehicle to move the kingdom of God forward to share the gospel with a world that so badly needs it. And it is a risk worth taking. And if you're a giver, but maybe not necessarily a tither, tither is 10%, then the collision point here for you would be to Seek God, look at his word, and move into full discipleship in this area of giving and tithe. That's what that would look like following this sermon today. And we would do this out of the goodness of our heart, out of the obedience of our heart. Pastor Kyle's been sharing with us that holiness isn't just keeping away from doing bad things. Holiness is moving toward Jesus and doing what he wants us to do and being obedient to his word. So I just would encourage you today to be able to do that. And let's, uh, let's just pray right now that God blesses this offering and that the, take the next step. And that next step is a miraculous step. Let's humble ourselves in this area and grab the hem of Jesus and watch what happens. And we go from just relying on the sovereign grace to what he does with our faith. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to give. We thank you for this sermon today and this message. We thank you for the generosity in this room. And we thank you. We are taking the next step when it comes to our giving. And we ask that you bless it. May more people come into the kingdom. May more disciples be multiplied 
as a result of what we do here and what we do in our marketplace and in our neighborhoods. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, give Pastor Rick a hand. Fantastic. Oh, church, hey, I want to thank you in advance for giving, being a part of everything. Giving your time, your talents, your treasure, your tithe, your testimony. Those things make a difference. So can we just stand? I want to pray over you. I'm going to believe that God is going to do something in the collisions you're going to have this week. How many are going to believe for supernatural, spirit-led collisions this week? Come on. Come on. These are God moments. Let's just believe for them. Let's believe for them. Let's prepare our hearts for them. You know, there are times that I know I'm going to have to have conversations with people, so I prepare for those conversations. Yes? Like when you go into a job interview, you just don't go and be like, I don't know, I'm showing up in flip-flops, whatever I wore on that day. No, you prepare. There's something about preparing our spirit for the collisions that we're believing for. And that's just, God, give me your word. Give me your way. Give me an ear to hear, a heart to receive, eyes to see the opportunity, courage to take the risk. We need all of it. Less of us, more of him. Less of us, more of him. Come on, let's pray that. Father, I pray right now. Daddy, I thank you for those God moments that are going to show up this week. I thank you for those divine appointments in in every area of our life, in our families, in our friendships, in our marketplace, in our communities, in our own self with you, Lord God, public and private. I thank you that there are going to be those divine appointments. I pray for ears to hear your voice, eyes to see the opportunity, courage and boldness being birthed inside of us like the boldness that comes from the lion of the tribe of Judah to rise up and take the opportunity in faith, Lord God. We are trusting for you to make the difference, for you to reveal yourself, for you to bring the breakthrough, the revival, the transformation, the change, the love, the grace. Come and do what only you can do. I pray, Father, as we follow you, that you continue to do the work inside of us that you started. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Holy Spirit, I'm praying a fresh breath on each person in this room. Holy Spirit, a fresh breath. A fresh breath on each person. Fruit of the Spirit being birthed and born afresh and anew. Gifts of the Spirit being poured out in power and in strength, Lord God, that will arise at just the right time, for just the right moment, for just the right revelation of who you are. Lord, we say yes. Lord, we say yes. Lord, we say yes. Yes, yes, yes. Have your way, have your way, have your way. We say yes, we say yes, we say yes. Come on, church, just say it with me. Jesus, we say yes. We say yes, Lord. Go with them now. Go with each and every one of us. Fill us to overflowing with your grace, love, and mercy. Let us be a light into a dark world for your glory and not ours. In Jesus' name. And everybody in faith said amen and amen. 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 God bless you, church. We love you. I can't wait to celebrate with you next week as we celebrate together. I'll see you then. Transform this world one life at a time. Mm, Hallelujah.